Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. What details do we writers need to manipulate for the readers to see and understand our characters? This unfolding view, presented in scattered snippets throughout our stories, is called characterization. Herewith, six ways plus two pairs to develop your characters. Did I just call Jen Rummy? Plus, we'll have a bit on non-primary characters in this week's episode of The Right Focus. Characterization is the official term that gathers the ways we writers convey each person in a story. Writers choose details that will help the reader see and understand the character. Characterization is the unfolding view, bits and pieces described from first appearance in the story to the last. Through these details, we see the character's development. We have six official types of characterization. Yet we can also count two sets of contrasting terms that exhibit a writer's development of each person in a story. We'll start with the six, then move to the paired sets. The first way is direct statement by the author. This is the weakest of the six types. Direct statement is the authorial interjection into the story. It's a telling device rather than a showing one. While it will quickly convey information, that information usually does not stick with the reader. Look at the difference in these. A direct statement by the author, Alice hated the low-level lighting of her office area. Now, look at how Alice comes alive. When the elevator doors opened and Alice left the brightly lit interior, her shoulders hunched around her neck. Clients never came to this floor with its low-level lighting so the boss could get away with keeping the lights low. Ever-flickering computer monitors lit her way through the cubicle maze. Every day she worried that she would again trip over something left in the aisles. Straining to see her every step, she crept between the carpeted half-walls. Her desk was halfway down on the right. Before she dropped her purse into her chair, She fumbled for the first of three clip-on lights purchased to brighten her workspace. Then she touched the keyboard to wake her computer. That used many different kinds of indirect statement. And we have five types of indirect statement that are much more powerful than anything an author could simply say about a character. First, appearance. Refer to the templates to discover some of the many areas to touch on for appearance. Remember that a character's appearance extends to clothing and identifying marks, such as tattoos or scars. Stance, the tilt of the head, squint of eyes, 
The position of hands and arms when they're at rest or when they're agitated. Legs and feet at rest are agitated. All communicate non-verbally. In the example above, the first sentence presents a non-verbal reaction by Alice to the light level when she hunches. We also see that she creeps along the aisleways between the cubicles. Speech is another way of indirect statement. Language is a key indicator of socioeconomic status as well as education level, the latter not dependent on the higher levels of the former. To have a character with correct grammar who came from impoverished circumstances reveals persistence, determination, and intelligence. A character who can switch through levels of language, formal to street slang, exhibits a savvy understanding of people and their spheres. Speech patterns also divulge personality traits. A focus on outcomes exposes an alpha personality. Checking for everyone's agreement reveals a consensus builder. Word choice also reveals personality. A peppering of curse words reveals repressed rage or lower esteem levels. Either the person is trying to impress someone or is trying to present that they are tougher than what they truly are. Next, we have thoughts, feelings, the character's opinions. We learn about a character's personality when we see their opinions of other characters, of settings, of situations, and of events. Remember that thoughts and feelings are two separate indicators. Logical, analytical people may have difficulty accessing their emotions. People with blocked emotions are an extremely flat emotional register, have endured grief, trauma, or abuse. Emotional people find it difficult to think their way out of any situation. In the above example with Alice, the words the boss could get away with exhibits Alice's perturbation at the low-level lighting and her resentment against her boss for creating the situation. Worry is another clue to her thoughts. Next, we have actions. Whether automatic or carefully considered, actions should maintain coherency with a character's thoughts and feelings. Every action has the potential to reveal a character while simultaneously advancing plot and suspense and tension. Alice creeps along the aisle because she tripped in the past. Her first action is to turn on her desk lights. Hunching her shoulders is an action associated with her appearance and a reaction to the low-level lighting. Reaction is an action taken in response to another person's action. The primary character's reaction to events is considered part of this characterization type. Reactions when automatic reveal background. The selection of fact over flight tells us about a character's difficult childhood. Finally, we have the reactions of other characters, which is just as revelatory as the primary character's actions and reactions. The emotional reactions reveal the character's views of each other. Action and response begin to create a synergy in the narrative. When writers reveal reactions, they reveal the non-perspective character's thoughts and feelings and expectations and planning. A character thwarted considers workarounds that will help achieve a goal. A character assisted feels gratitude or feels beholden unnecessarily, which leads to resentment. Understanding the goals and motivations of secondary characters 
helps to write the reactions to the primary characters. The only characters that you should present as flat stereotypes are your walk-ons, the characters who only appear in one scene and for one purpose only. You really don't have time to dwell on them. If your presentation takes over a section of a scene, your readers develop an expectation that the walk-ons will return to the story. And thus we come to our first contrasting set of terms, flat versus round. Characters who are crucial to a story need a complete development. Walk-on characters are placeholders who might have an interesting trait, but little more. Flat characters are placeholders, the free spirit runner, the weightlifting jock. We encounter these characters in only a handful of scenes in a novel. You might give them an interesting trait or twitch, a purple nose ring, a braided beard, a lisp, something that makes them recognizable at their next appearance. That trait might intrigue you, but don't spend time on their background or development. Round characters are fully developed through the four spheres of mind, body, heart, and soul, with all types of indirect characterization presented at their first appearance, sprinkled throughout the scene, not poured out in info dump. Round characters are at the primary, secondary, and tertiary levels of your characters. Your primary characters must be fully developed, with the secondary characters mostly developed Maybe mind and body and heart, but not the soul. Your tertiary characters might hit two of the four elements of a complete self. You might know all four elements of this developmental information about your tertiary characters, but very little should reach the manuscript page. Contrast number two, static and dynamic. While flat versus round has to do with character presentation, Static and dynamic refer to the developing arc of your characters. Tertiary and walk-on characters will not have a developing arc, unless it's an epic or a trilogy with these characters recurring. Your secondary characters might have an important arc that affects the plot. Your primaries should have an arc. However, do not think that static is related to a character's arc. Static and dynamic are related to a character's growth and transformation throughout a narrative. Static characters do not change in their mindset, in their world view. Their circumstances might change, but situation does not mean their interior life has changed. Dynamic characters do change. In Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, we have perfect examples of these contrasting terms. Romeo opens as an impetuous young man, more emotional than logical, more concerned with the immediate than the future. He maintains this personality throughout the play. He acts without thinking when he kills Tybalt in Act 3 and then Count Paris in Act 5. He loves quickly. He hates quickly. He considers only that he cannot be with Juliet now, never planning a way that they can be together in the future. Juliet is a dynamic character. She changes. She goes from an obedient daughter in Act 1 to one who is willing to rebel against her parents in Act 2 and then to one willing to abandon them for her own love in Act 4. She is influenced by emotion. Then she learns that to get what she wants, she must follow a plan, Acts 2 and 4. She is more logical than Romeo. Their love is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning. 
which comes from Act 2. Yet she cannot live without her love and commits suicide because her heart is broken, Act 5. The change a dynamic character will experience can be positive or negative, dependent upon whether the character will have a successful or tragic arc. These contrasting terms are backdoor approaches to characterization. When drafting, writers don't often see where their characters are going. Sometimes writers plan for a dynamic change, then realize that it hasn't happened. Often writers draft away, wanting to see what their characters will do when they twist them around, then drop them into abysses of trouble. And they are just as surprised as the rest of us when the characters survive all the angst. Because for all the planning that we writers might do, when the characters grab the story, we never know what will occur. Decisions about characterization occur with every paragraph and every sentence. When drafting, when in the flow of the plot, it's sometimes difficult to remember to work in character details. These difficulties can be judged in the revision process. We can add details to enrich the narrative as well as subtract them when they detract from the narrative. Sidecars Characters in a longer work, a novel or a play, come in three levels, primary, secondary, and tertiary. Primaries are the protagonist and antagonist. Subprime characters have an important role in resolving any problems of the story. Even if you are writing in the first-person point of view, you can have subprime characters with their own subplot. Everything will have to be conveyed through the point-of-view character chosen for a particular scene. Secondary characters are allies, chief minions, and more. As you had subprimes, you can have subsecondaries, but usually these characters belong to the third rank, the tertiary level. Tertiary characters are usually walk-ons and cameos. They will not have any scenes from their viewpoints. Secondary characters have their own goals, obstacles, and antagonistic forces, especially when they are allies to the protagonist. Depending on the chosen length of your novel, your secondaries may drive the subplot, running in tandem with your main plot. When genres are combined, Romance with action and adventure, such as Romance in the Stone, or time travel with romance such as Outlander. The demands of each genre will shape plot and subplot. Writers balance the character arcs through the genre demands. While the main plot handles the dominant genre, the subplot can follow the subgenre requirements. Look on the subplot as a vine twisting around and through the main plot vines. The vines are combined most of the time, but occasionally the subplot twines around other areas. Such twining subplots become very important when you are developing a series with the allies becoming protagonists in subsequent novels. Tertiary characters will not have a subplot vine through your novel. They may have clearly defined goals, obstacles, and antagonists, but their participation in the story comes only through their interaction with the primaries. They usually will not have their own viewpoint. That sounds like a firm rule, until we remember Nick Carraway in The Great Gatsby. When writing, we often discover a side character jumping from tertiary to secondary, or even from tertiary to subprime. 
A walk-on may need extra scenes, still tied to the protagonist, but occurring separately, turning them from tertiary to secondary. You will have to back up to the beginning and determine their entrance, their first introduction to the protagonist and antagonist, presentation of their goal and obstacle, and more. Their arc will be skeletal when compared to the primary characters, but it should track from beginning to end. Don't abandon them in the middle. Don't launch them three-quarters of the way through the story. You need not resolve their conflicts. Save that for the sequel. On writer boards, you may read that some books demand a happy ever after or happily for now ending. Using secondary characters, you can offer a happy ever after ending to your primaries and refuse to give it to your secondaries, holding it for the sequel or just giving your readers angst. You may also deny the happy ever after to your protagonist, but give it to your secondaries and tertiaries. If you wish to isolate your protagonist, this is a clear indication of their tragic standing. The best way to track character point of view to ensure that secondary characters are not overwhelming your primary characters is to keep a point of view chart. As you complete each scene, record the point of view character. Color coding is a fun way to represent point of view visually. Having to record the point of view per scene prevents something that many readers find irksome because it creates confusion. Head hopping is considered more of a writerly sin than typographical errors scattered over each page. The point of view color chart should predominate your primaries. The count is not based on the total number of scenes of all the primaries against one secondary. The count should be based on each individual primary against each secondary. If one primary has 19 scenes, another has 14 scenes, and one secondary has 15 scenes, you have a problem with a growing secondary character. Try to balance the primaries. They don't have to match, but they should be close to equal. You can improve the worth of your point of view color chart by adding a brief sentence about events in each scene. Secondaries and tertiaries function only in relation to the primaries. Protagonists have allies, antagonists have minions. All can work willingly, grudgingly, reluctantly, subversively, or rebelliously. Minions will work for the antagonist, whether by decision, determination, or design. The Right Focus is currently in the series all about characters, from building and presenting a character to relationships, leadership styles, team roles, and special touches for characters. Avoid creating characters who are stereotypes. Reveal their public and private interiors. Focus on couples, mentors, enemies, and much, much more. The information comes from M.A. Lee's guidebook, Discovering Characters, part of the Discovering series on the writing craft. Link to the guidebooks are in the show notes.
Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.